Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bench Units being recorded on Bank Holiday Monday because no days off when you're trying to scrape and scratch every single listen, subscription, and donation. Go and hit up our coffee page if you haven't done so already. Oh, here we go already. I love it. What a pro. I am joined by James, who is newly qualified for the Commonwealth Games. Congratulations. And would you like to give us an immediate soundbite that we can use, and then I don't have to think about that for the rest of this episode? I still don't know the rules. Um, (laughs) No, it was was cool, man. Uh, I had a nice time. It was nice to be wearing green again. Nice to be playing on a team with people that sound like me. And yeah, I had a really nice time. It was a well put together tournament um, by Basketball Scotland. Stuff was a bit weird in the beginning. Not their fault. Um, But by the time we got on court, it was unbelievable. And I roughly had an idea of how to play it. So yeah, good fun. Credit to Con Nagel, Matt Rilston, and Nathan McCabe for taking me through. Um, I completely got carried in the last game, which was lovely. I had a terrible time, but nice to have nice to have good teammates, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't know, but um, yeah, I okay. Dispel a rumor for me, or confirm a rumor for me here. So, a mutual friend of ours went to the England three x three trials. Three x three is cringy, and it just looks like exb when it's written down in their format. But um, yes, is the basketball, di- I know it's different in terms of branding. His description of it was it's the size of a size six with the weight of a size seven. Is that athletic? correct? That is exactly correct. That is intentionally that, correct. It is the size is. of a six heavier, so the size of a seven. And it has, it obviously has the lines between each panel, but each panel is also ribbed for your pleasure. Uh, which is terrible it's really funny like everyone's like do you like this and i was like i wasn't like i hate this i hate this format i hate this game it was i play five on five two days like twice a day five days a week like yeah you know what i mean but not five on five but i mean i played normal basketball so often that it took me a minute because I just kind of dropped in and figured it out. Whereas the rest of those guys had been training for this a little bit, I think our boys anyway. So it was a kind of fine balance to strike between trying to impart some sort of, if I had any sort of basketball expertise to chip in with versus being like, I don't get this format and you guys do. So I'm willing to listen. So it was strange because I was one of the experienced guys in our team anyway. And I wanted to, try and bring it a little bit in that regard but i didn't have a clue like even like there were times where i was like okay in this end game scenario if we could do this and then take a file here and then i was like wait no team files are this many and it's 12 second shot clock you know what i mean so like having the timings of those weird bits figured out was not something that i had in the back pocket and it is on three is your first instinct all the time not to be like, well, if we can just get the rebound and get out in transit? Oh no, wait. Well, no, that is the thing because you got to get the got to get the ball cleared. Yeah. So then it's like if we can get a rebound, kick it out behind the three point line, and then we've immediately got picking angles and stuff. But yeah, sure. every other team, and I assume every other team in other qualifiers that have any sort of height, because you don't need to clear it with all three guys. You just need to clear yeah. the ball in the hands of a player. Yeah, that so was like, weird. I've never Scotland's, seen that rule. Scotland's thing was like, Ben Leach was like, I'm going to go from the charge circle to the edge of the key. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like a perfect idea if you're massive and we didn't have the height. So it'll be interesting. Like I'm like figuring out the problems that we came up against in our two games already and seeing how other teams in different qualifiers and then the actual tournament kind of counteract it. Like, I don't know. I'm just, it's just interesting. It's another different way to play the game. And I think it's, it's a cool development tool for young players and new players because three on three, it's quick, it's snappy. You have to make decisions. You have to shoot, pass and dribble. Yeah. Fair enough. Like well, we, we've gone on on this. A couple of minutes longer than I expected us to, but I've got one hell of a transition to take us into the bulk of the episode. Are you ready for this? Yes. And speaking of games that should have been played three on three, shall we hit Hanover United and Landil playoff series where precisely nobody played because of COVID? I really thought you were going to go, speaking of games of basketball played with less people than should have been. (laughs) That's kind of what you went for anyway. Yes. 
I think you beat me to it. That, that's like an ongoing segment of ours, though, is I get my joke off and you refine it within like 10 seconds and say it better than I I should just whisper them to you first and you can look great. Yeah, I need to be some sort of some sort of like call out joke refinement service. Yeah. <laughs> like how comedians have joke writers or like people who are presenting it on TV have joke writers for them. There'd be like a joke writing team and then a joke verifying team <laughs> that they have to go through. I wonder yeah. if that's the thing. Um, to be fair, senior joke writers are probably a thing. It's almost like that's a job. Yeah, it probably is. So let's do this. So for anyone who doesn't know, the playoff mini series between Hanover United and Landil was played on a Monday and a Wednesday uh, this past week. Reason being there was COVID absences, I think, for the original game, which was meant to be on a weekend. Um, and then there was still COVID absences for both of these legs of the playoff. But I think it was a case of getting these done and nailed before teams start with EuroCup. So game one was Hanover 42, Landil 68. This happened almost a week ago. Do you remember any of this? Um, it's really hard to when I watched the second game yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, no, I was also traveling when this was on, so I skimmed it very briefly. Yeah. It's one of those where it's like, did I watch this game or did I watch Ayaka's stories? And probably both. <laughs> but, like, I, I, it's funny when you're, like, have a memory of the game and people's in. Instagram handles are tagged on it and there's like little gifts and stuff. You're like, ah, I probably didn't watch this. But no, no, I, I did. Um, but I don't remember it as much as I remember the one that's on. Yeah, this was, we'll kind of group these together and talk about them in general, I think. But I think this first game particularly was, we've talked about Landil all year and how they have enough depth that they can just kind of find the solution as the game goes on. And your depth is never more apparent than when both teams are missing a substantial number of guys. Yeah, of course. I don't, I don't know. That's a hot take. But on the Landil side for this game, they were missing Hero Kozai, uh, Brian Bell, and uh, I think Katarina Weiss was missing as well. So she, they obviously weren't able to play the kind of stacked up lineups that they usually do. That said, they still trot out Thomas Bohm, Rayo Fujimoto, um, Yannick, Blair, Simon Brown, and Dominic Mosler as a starting five, even with their, their guys absent. Which, where would that lineup finish in Champions Cup if they just sent those five? Sixth? Yeah. Sixth, sixth yeah. So. Ah, oh, maybe higher, man. That's, yeah. that's a mad thing. That's maybe. insane, but. Um, so, yeah, Hanover on the other side were missing uh, Mariska, Jan Gans, and I think there was another Hanover absence, but we're looking at these German stats that have... Um, oh, it was Jan Sadler as well. Um, so both teams missing three pretty heavy rotation guys, and Hanover just kind of fell victim to the defensive pressure full court. And I think we've talked about this in various games recently where you kind of get the ball up late and you're it's not so much that you're suffering eight second violations a whole lot. It's more that you get past the halfway line and you get stuck in the territory between the three point line and the halfway line for like six or seven seconds when you would normally just breeze that and you end up taking a contested 20 footer as the shot clock runs out and shout out to Jan Haller who made at least three of them <laughs> as the game went. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm even going to made a ridiculous bank three, but they called it after the, um, after the shot clock buzzer. But yeah, this was a story of Jan Haller with 22, Amit Vigoda with 12. And meanwhile, Landil still got double figure scoring from five guys. Um, yeah, this was just a, a last man standing battle of depth in this one. And I don't think anyone would have realistically expected Hanover to have pushed Landil given the limited state of both teams. No, I think they should have lent into it and like just tried to eliminate further players, not for COVID, but I mean like some sort of gimmick, like every two foils you commit, you're out of the game just so they end up one-on-one -on -one by the end. Like just find some weird way to lean into this and go, no, this is like a battle royale, last man standing thing. Yeah, that'd be great. Make it Fortnite themed, sell it to kids. I don't <laughs> care. No, that's that's a terrible idea. I really enjoy it's a weird thing, but like 
watching a team get pressed and get over and like get over the halfway line, get into some sort of disjointed offense and actually survive by hitting mad shots because it's like the team that's pressing is like, we're getting exactly what we want. We're forcing them into what they don't want, but they're just above and beyond what they should be doing here. So they're hanging around. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Well, it's like you could simplify that and be like people hitting mad shots is fun to watch. That's probably it, but... It it is, but I think you see where I mean Jan Haller very briefly turned into like Dirk Nowitzki or that one game of LeBron James where he eliminated the Raptors that time and he just shot fadeaways on like six straight possessions. But I think you see that kind of shot making tail off because it was like 15-12 after one quarter and then it was 30 to 18 and then it was 49-27 before it ended up 68-42. So I think there's a, when the press is doing that, there's enough kind of energy and oomph that you can carry yourself on big shots made for 10 minutes. And then anything more than that is pretty unlikely, I think. Yeah. The percentage of that sort of shot drops anyway, because it comes back to what it should be over a longer period of time. But also, you get very tired. Yeah. Uh, and I think, um, if we look at the Hanover lineups, I think most of their lineups they rolled out were playing to something like 12 and a half points because they were short on their mids and their high pointer. Yeah, so of course. The, you're not going to survive a press for anything more than 10 minutes. <laughs> under points, yeah, of course. Under points against a team infamous for its mobility and kind of diversity and switchability. Yeah, it's also a thing that like Glendale never like. Do you ever get you watch a game and you see a certain lineup play a different one and you're like, oh, I don't know, I think these guys could get pressed. Like Glendale never give up an opportunity to do that. Yeah, obviously they shouldn't because they're super highly mobile and well coached and like a lot of very smart, very good basketball players. But there's never the thing of like, oh, I don't know, I think they could have a go at these guys. It's just like, okay, yeah, halfway line, bang. Yeah, <laughs> three point line, bang, like yeah. uh, without fail. I think is the it's just the Landil way, isn't it? Yes, right. So that was game one. On to game two. This one was actually pretty close. Um, a Hanover up at halftime. This one finished Landil fifty six and forty eight to ha- Hanover, but this was. You come away from this knowing that Landil should win these games, but I think you come away from game two specifically being like, hey, this Hanover team is solid and legitimate and they gave a team much more talented than them as good a run as you could reasonably ask them to. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, This this was just... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, this were the only differences in COVID here were Hero was back for Landil. Uh, Alexander Buda, who I missed off the previous absences for Hanover, and Jan Gantz were back for Hanover in game two as well. So this was against two slightly reinforced teams. Yeah, the big thing, like, is what you said the last time, Landil's ability to sort of find it, no matter what, is amazing. Like, they started 4-4-3-2-1, so they went, um, sorry, 4-5-4-3-2-1, right? Yeah. Um, they went Mosler, Fujimoto, Yannick Blair, Simon Brown, uh, Tommy Boma. And then they were like, mm, that's not working. It was doing all right, but they were like, mm, okay, let's go 4 3 5 3 3 1. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to 4 5 3 5 3 2 1. I think that's kind of where they settled. Yeah. Um, which was cool to see. But I just, I just love them being like, mm, nope. Maybe. Yeah, got it. Hey, can we get some more talent in here, if you don't mind? Um, Which is insane because you start with, like, it's the thing that we spoke about the last couple of years where Mosler's kind of been there and only played when stuff like this has happened, but you get a good 20 minutes from Dominic Mosler, who's an international wheelchair basketball player. <laughs> like, like he's a good basketball player by all accounts. Yeah, and then yeah. they were, like, cycling through and... Yeah. You know, Hero Kozai was plus 13 in his 22 minutes. He didn't start. He was in that 4-5-3-5. Yeah, the, the third unit they went to that ended up taking it home for them. Um, yeah, I mean, this was 
Lando really didn't shoot well in this game is probably the headline here. Um, 23 from 71. I mean, getting 71 shots up is generally a pretty good omen. They actually made five of 12 threes. So their, their two-point shooting was horrendous. They were 18 of 59 on two-point shots. Um, yeah. But they just have the offensive rebounds were a big thing in this one as well because they kind of switch in their lineups and whatever and still been able to maintain bigs against the Hanover team that's pretty small if they can't put all their mids out and they were still missing uh, Jan Sadler and Mariska for this one. Yeah. Um, shout out to Oliver Jans on Hanover who I don't know if I've ever seen make more than like a couple of dump down layups a game. He had 16 points in this one. Yeah, man. Hell of a game. A land of giants. He's also... I don't think he's a two. The more I watch him, the more I'm like, how is... I think he's a one-five who's been classified up. But that's neither here nor there for the the purposes of the outcome of this game. Um, Yeah, I think you just come away from this. We talked about Thuringen and Reiner for Rhinos uh, the last couple of weeks. I... Don't know if you can blame COVID or blame like guys being in and out or whatever, but you just don't get the same feeling of dominance from Landil currently that you did watching the Thuringa game uh, when they pasted Reiner Verinos twice. And you can chalk that up to Hanover being a slightly superior opponent, but you don't. I came away from those Thuringa games being like, how is anyone going to beat this beat this team? And I don't know if I feel that way about Landil, despite all the talent they have. Sure. I do think, as I say, part of it is you have guys missing and also, like, Brian Bell wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> it's Brian Bell, man. There is that. And also, a lot of it is just like, when Landil are at their best, it's like five guys all just like ball pinging around, chairs moving, all the ball movement and player movement you could ever want. And I guess that's interrupted when you're not training with everyone. I don't know what the trainings looked like COVID-wise, but yeah, I like that might be one and two in Europe for me. I don't know in what order. I'm not sure either. Yeah. But there's a couple, of, obviously there's a couple of Spanish teams that might have something to say about it, but Definitely. Well, there's at least one. Especially if David Maurice gets let loose. Um, <laughs> is it bad that I wasn't thinking about us? It probably <laughs> isn't, right? Um, no, I get what you mean. I think um, Europe's a slightly different question because obviously the Spanish team's there. But for the meantime, we've got a German league final of Thuringen and Landil. So gotta, I'd love to know what the odds on that would have been at the start of the season. Who would have thought it? Yeah, hey, I'll bet my house on this. That's fine. Yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> um, right so I think that's Germany congratulations to Landil making the final and Hanover I think nothing but respect for the, for the effort they put in is probably the fair thing to say here uh, are, are Hanover going to win their Euro Cup um, I think it's them and Gran Canaria top two I think so as well but in- it's it's does everyone get back? I, I assume they do. I assume that's the whole thing. They'll have yeah. their guys back. I think if they if they were getting guys back and Mariska was back, which she's obviously been out the entire post-Christmas portion of the season, I might call them to upset Gran Canaria um, because they can play those mid-lineups where everybody is huge and that matches. Like That's the kind of team that Gran Canaria have had trouble against this year. Yeah, especially because Grand Canaria don't have the advantage of not having a one-pointer on the yeah, floor. Yeah. Like, they're not playing, you know, they're only playing a point and a half over now. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, <laughs> shout out to Ben Fox, if you're listening, who's had another rant at me this week about why Grand Canaria shouldn't be appreciated because <laughs> they play over points. Oh, is it the fact that they they managed to scrape through against via the lead undermanned? And then you're like, wait, no, these guys are just about on points. <laughs> it was actually before the game. But he tra- Ben was trying to tell me that that he doesn't mind that they're good, but he wishes they would acknowledge they're only good because they play over points. And I was like, well, that rule's there for everybody. So it's like... Yeah, also the word only is not true. And also like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like sign, I, sign, sign some kids. My, my my argument was if me and you went to an all you can eat buffet and you just got one plate and I went back up for a second portion, you could not be furious at me for leveraging the all you can eat part of the all you can eat buffet. Yeah, yeah, but being able to be over points is like the great inefficiency in wheelchair basketball, like the, the way the NBA has like mad analytics we don't have the investment in it for that as close as we can get is like hey you can play more points than you should be able to but yeah i'm sure we're gonna have another conversation about this in a month's time when euro leagues are over but i'm sure of it definitely um we'll get ben on if grand canaria win (laughs) we'll watch him protest that they won while playing to less points than usual also it's funny like the the team that like i've heard several people will be like yeah no you guys play the best basketball in the league and this that and the other and you've got one of the best creators in the league and one of the best spot up shooters in the world and blah 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 blah. something like you're only good because (laughs) also you should really get him to clarify whether he's telling you these things in confidence or not because we've just gone for three minutes on something that i guarantee was just like a a text without being like hey say this on the podcast valid point Okay. I'm coming to you like J. Jonah Jameson being like, I've got pictures of the spider. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall we shift on? Yes. Cool. Right. We normally open Spanish League first because we're heavily Spain biased due to James's allegiances, but we're doing Spain second this week. Uh-huh. Well, no, we opened with Scotland. <laughs> well, yeah. The man, Spain gets third billing behind basketball, Scotland. What have we become? Hell of a tournament. Shout out to Barry. <laughs> right. Shall we do Ibukansa Amviv 41, Amiab 89? Yes. So I was talking to someone about the fact that I was watching wheelchair basketball games to catch up before the podcast instead of watching Brooklyn and Boston in the playoffs, which I then watched afterwards. What, game, a, what, what a game. Um, but... I was told not to watch this one. <laughs> I watched who, it anyway. I who who it. told you not to watch this one? I'm not going to tell you that. I don't just divulge information like you do. It wasn't <laughs> It wasn't bad. It actually wasn't. That sounds like it was. <laughs> it actually wasn't. Um, no, I was told that this was maybe not worth a watch. Um, God. But yeah, so obviously, as will be a theme, some of the USA guys and girls are at a camp tryouts, which is a hilarious thing to call it. Cause it's not like, you're not an eight year old playing softball. <laughs> yeah. Like um, it's just a synonym, synonym of the word trials or selections, but you know what I mean? But so no, no Romo hashtag, no Romo <laughs> um, for yeah. Amphif, which makes a big difference because I don't know, that asking a host to shoot 40 shots is a bit rough. Yeah. That brings them down from, two shot creators to one realistically um and uh sorry alejos wasn't even their leading shot taker in this game um julio villas was six from 17 and alejos was five from 13 and that's about as good of a taste as we can give you as to how this game went but i actually saw julio villas shoot an outside wing shot for the first time ever because I've never seen him take anything other than like a cut and a dump down layup as if he's like a Turkish one when he's a Spanish three. But yeah, yeah, he got a couple of wing shots up and I feel content in knowing that he's happy just taking cuts and layups now because (laughs) those shots aren't his strong point. Let's put it that way. Um, Fair enough. I, I don't know. I think like that's a thing of if you're a three on a team that plays two bigs, a three and two low pointers, I think you kind of have to be a little more expansive. But like, I don't know. I think it would help them if you figure that out a little bit. But obviously, that's not what they do. But yeah, without Romo, that was always going to be tough. Other side of the ball, no Lee Manning. Uh, he was there, um, content to sit there. I don't know. Obviously, yeah, I think he's fine. He doesn't have COVID because he was there. Yeah, Ben Ben told me ahead of the game they were going to Vigo and he wasn't playing. But I presumed when he said Vigo without Lee, I was like, well, why is why has he done the like eighteen hour drive to Vigo to sit there? Yeah, that's a tough run for my guy. (laughs) Very dedicated. Um, Yeah, Gaz with twenty eight, Kyle with nineteen, 
Uh, Philipski with 16, Ben with 14. And that is basically the story story of the game yeah, right Kyle was 9 from 10 from 2 Gaz was 11 from 14 from 2 Philipski was 8 from 12 from 2 yeah like I mean, Gaz scored two threes there were two from 13 threes but you yeah. know you're shooting flipping what well, Gaz um, also made made both his threes in the span of about a minute and a half I think yeah so you're that. shooting 78 90 and 66 percent from <laughs> two in your three main perimeter scorers, you're probably going to be all right. Yeah. Um, I I think for me, this was, we've talked about Vigo a couple of times and they've got enough perimeter creation. And we've said a couple of times on here, like if they just had that one guy kind of using the space and slicing, I know who Vilas usually does that, but he's like a smaller three. If they had, yeah. if they wrestled Dominic Musler away from Landil and just went three big, they'd be in business. And I think you see kind of that effect when they go up against Albacete, who've got Ben able to go inside off of Gaz and Filipski. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, this is literally the guy or a carbon copy of the guy that Vigo need is just somebody to go inside and finish off. And yeah, for sure. Like that wasn't the difference in this game because Albacete have a, wild talent disparity but it's kind of the most obvious reference point of this is why this team beat you by this many <laughs> yeah that would kick them up a notch for sure yeah. all right i don't want to spend too much time on a blowout <laughs> cool let's do it cool next game uh amibel reyes gutierrez malaga 61 fundacion las rosas 40 so interesting observation from this one Adi Orobemi played for what I think is the first time all season. He got a solid 28 seconds in to finish the game. Yeah. Shouts to Adi. I don't really, I know he's been on the team sheet all year. Um, but I don't think I've seen him play at any point because he's just, he like is their coach, even though I think he's down as their assistant. Yeah, um, he is their coach. And I do think it's a thing of like, Last couple of years, I've been like, man, it must be really hard to not want to put yourself in. Like, especially if you're a certain type of player that's like a historically great defender, it must be really hard to not be like, no, get out. I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> he's finally taken that step back, but also it's fun to see him play because he's great. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about Las Rosas being the slowest team in um, the Spanish league. And I wonder if Addy was like, I just can't resist. I reckon I can press these guys one on five on my. Yeah. <laughs> like rounding them up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a sheep dog. Just like circling them. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. This was a team that's sort of primed to get pressed against a team that is like young and agile and quick and well, not young sometimes, but you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. That, I think Malaga have enough guys that they could realistically throw two or three lineups out there and still maintain a five-man press on Las Rosas. Yeah, you've got a one that can hang in a press as well. Obviously, as I say, they're well coached for that sort of stuff because Addy was and probably still is a great defender, yeah. but has had years and years and years of that stuff. So I like that they'll be well drilled and presses and stuff as well. And um, yeah, man, although I do kind of enjoy watching Las Rosas, just kind of like, I don't know, just play the most basic press breaking fundamentals and kind of get layups every once in a while. Like that's so much fun to be like, we need 23 and a half seconds, but we're comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. like that's kind of cool in a weird sadistic yeah, way. Yeah, I, I think there's a weird thing that they've been pressed so much that most teams throw the press on to like surprise you and rush you. And I think they're just kind of like, look, we see this all game, every game. We're not really. It's like if someone jumped out and shouted boo at you in every room you ever went into, eventually <laughs> not going to be that shocked by it. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, but this was, I think the main thing here for Malaga was our guy Cazarino with yet another crisp 25 on 10 from 17 carrying on his run of not having had a bad game basically all season. Yeah. Uh, against seemingly any type of team, I was thinking about this, there doesn't seem to be, be it like big and tall, like Las Rosas are, or like smaller, faster teams. 
there doesn't seem to be any setup of team that really stops him doing what he wants to do. No, because he can move and he is still bigger than everyone. Like, <laughs> we, as I say, we've seen him like hit actual giants with up and under post up yeah. moves. Like, he doesn't care because he's yeah. a giant. The lankiest boy. Uh, 25 for him, 16 for Jaime Espasa. And just kind of chipping in for the rest of the Malaga team. They got single figures from a bunch of guys. I guess 61 is not a hugely high score. But no. also, Las Rosas are taking time off the clock on literally every possession because it takes them 23 seconds to get shot up. So yeah. I guess... As yeah, they- if you're pressing another team, your offense is only going to take an uptick if you're pressing so, so efficiently that you yeah. get steals or eight-second calls. Like... Pressing slows the game down. Yeah, definitely. Um, Last Rosas side, 14 for Christian Gomez, uh, 15 for Alexis Ruiz. And rough game for Salvador Zavalli, who had three points on one of 11 shooting. He's kind of, the last couple of weekends, he's had like a couple of throwback games against teams less equipped to press them. And this was absolutely not that. <laughs> like, no, my guy must have been blown. There was a couple of games, a couple of possessions where he like javelined the ball over half court into safe hands. And I think their low went back to pick for him and he was like, honestly, just leave me here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. Play Full for on, me. just like go on without me, yeah. please. <laughs> um, but yeah, this that was kind of, you'd struggle to find anything deeper in this game than quick team imposes will on slow team. Yeah. My only other thing from this game is Tyler Baines didn't play. I don't think he was there. He hasn't been there for a couple yeah. of weeks. I don't yeah, know. I don't get to the bottom of this tapping into my sources, but nobody seems to know. Uh hope everything's okay on his end. And hope yeah, it- yeah, I'm trying to like figure it out without speculating, but yeah, I yeah. hope it's fine. Yeah. Um cool. So on to the Next one, and I can. Mark, t- would you like to say a few words? <laughs> well, it's funny actually. You said um, that I shouldn't leak stuff that Ben said to me without obvious um, acknowledgement that it should be said on the podcast. I got a message. So Saturday, I had a bunch of my family around because I had to bribe everyone into building furniture for me with the offer of a barbecue. So I wasn't really watching games. It was like on in the background, and I got. A I checked my phone for the first time in half an hour and I had a message from Ben that was like, if you don't go in on Viadolid on your next podcast, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. I have to do this. Um, so as James- I have something to say afterwards, but like, it's only right that you can go first. Thanks. I was on the train early. Um, as James mentioned, there is a few of the American men and women who are currently back in the States doing their selection camps. Grand Canaria start three Americans who are also probably arguably their three most important players this year. Uh, you could maybe debate how Ari stacks up there. They but, are their two highest pointers and the best shooter, like yeah. the, the best two-point spot-up shooter in the league. Let's go with that. So, missing those guys... Um, Grand Canaria started their other two starters of Ari and Luigi. Luigi, who is nominally a starter, but the coach can never wait to yank to the bench um, any chance he gets, along with, is the one player's name David Hernandez? Is that right? Yes. Um, Claudio Gonzalez, who got multiple votes for the belt, and a local Canarian guy who I refuse to believe is called Roy, even if the stats tell me that. He's not Canarian. He's from Zaragoza, Luis Roy. I still refuse to believe he's called Roy. So well, you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Roy can't be a Spanish name, but it anyway. can be a Spanish second name. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, Gran Canaria starting probably their fourth and fifth starters um, and three bench guys came up against Valladolid, who had all their guys, as far as I am aware. Um, and this was Gran Canaria 57, Valladolid 46 somehow. Now, my whole Valladolid thing started because they lost to a full-strength Gran Canaria team in embarrassing fashion. Um, Literally were letting guys push behind them and run layups in. And I said all that, 
Yelma sent us a message for the first time ever and was like, hey, thanks for saying I'm a nice guy and also thanks for being horrible about us. We probably need it and deserve it. So I was horrible to them a lot. They eventually got on a winning streak and what beat some teams they should have beaten, but that, I guess, is progress. If you're having a disappointing season, it's a positive thing to just take care of the games you should take care of. Um, they came up against this undermanned Gran Canaria team and their performance was utterly, utterly despicable. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> it was. A, Ari with 15 for Gran Canaria, Luigi with 40. Luigi's been disrespected by his own coach all season and is able to have probably his best game of the year against this vital team that didn't have to worry about really defending anybody else. Um, Yelmo with 19, Maxi Ruggeri with 13, Adrian Perez with 10, nobody else with anything apart from four points from Jonathan Soria. And yeah, there's this Canadian guy who has been on the Vidalid bench for a good bit. And I, when he came in, I was like, oh, maybe this is reinforcements. He's had a couple of quiet games. He started and played 22 minutes in this game and was actually plus two points, bizarrely, but he Get was him in. zero in. six and he just gave them nothing. No disrespect to Vidalid, but this was maybe the worst performance I've watched all season. <laughs> Fight me. Sure. Um, yeah, mine was going to be a lot shorter. So um, <laughs> mine was just going to be like, hey, if I had the lead, come on. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's just make that the sound bite on its own. We'll clip everything I said. No, no, it's it's just like, I remember hearing like someone was like, is it true that all the Americans are just leaving Easter week? I was like, oh, Gran Canaria might be in trouble. Who are they playing via the lead? And I was like, I'd like to think they'd be in trouble. Like, via the lead aren't, but like, they're by no stretch of the imagination the worst team in the league. Like, they're fine. Um, they have good basketball players. Like, I think Ruggieri is good. I think Yelmer is good. Yeah, we should. A couple of their other guys are decent basketball players. Yelmer actually had a decent game, 19 points and 13 rebounds, but it's only fair to say he won't be getting the belt following this one. Yeah, um, possible belt. The other thing, possible belt recipient, Ari, was 15-9 and 15-13 and 9. So I have, but I do have it on on good authority from someone who was called uh, Tari White that they started it wrong and there was actually another assist in there so it should have been a triple double right. so whoever that person is um <laughs> curly curly hair mustache glasses <laughs> <laughs> didn't realize uh, big coat played in mercia <laughs> so yeah i know mercy is they ramp the stats up rather than down isn't it yeah so um yeah, obviously, a lot of credit has to go to Gran Canaria for actually yeah. getting this done anyway. But I really, really thought this would have been Vidalid's chance to take one. Maybe I'm just disappointed because us and Gran Canaria are beside each other in the league. Maybe that's what most of this is. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, that's that's disappointing, I think. It is. Um, yeah, I mean... I'd been relatively encouraged by Vidalid getting Adrian Perez back and looking more functional again. And this, I put it this way, there's nobody on that team who isn't at least more disappointed than I am. I would hope. Yeah. I'm just surprised they were able to stop them going inside still. Although I guess the thing is they still play like massive two and a half, massive three and a half as a two. And Luis Roy is, also a four or five. Yeah. He's not big, but yeah, fair point. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I think this I think there was possibly an element of Vidalid being like, hey, they're rolling their B team out here. We've probably got this and not showing up for the game, which I would be surprised at because Vidalid haven't exactly been the model of consistency all year, but I think that does creep into people's minds when they see they're not going against the full squad. Yeah, for sure. 
and without knowing without like without knowing that it's happening like just subconsciously that is a thing i think there's the flip side where grand canary are playing like they've got nothing to lose as well so they're like hey let's just go out here and see what happens Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, shout out to grand canary oh shout out to raul vega as well had 10 off the bench for them they were big points yeah, also him being the first guy off the bench like three minutes into a game sometimes when they have all their starters but not starting when <laughs> three starters are missing, I think is mad. I wonder if it's like a... Is the way San Antonio used to always have Tony Parker, Patty Mills off the bench and then someone else third off the bench. But if Tony Parker yeah. was injured, they'd move the third point guard up to start because they like having the bench unit. Yeah, bench unit. My, my theory is that... Um, the Grand Canaria coach just finds having Raul near him to start the games like very comforting. He's like his security blanket or his emotional support animal or something. He's like, let's just start the game with him here. And then when I feel good about it, you can go in. There is probably a thing of like, he's try. He's like a young local Canarian guy who Hanai is very much trying to nurture and develop. And maybe he has something about like when he plays him and not like, maybe it's, yeah, maybe, maybe there's more to it than we think. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there's nothing to anything. Are you suggesting that there's something we haven't thought of despite our hours of speculation? Yes. Okay, moving on. It might be deeper or shallower than we think. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Up next. So this was the big one in Spain this week. Ilunion 66, Madiba 75. Thoughts on this? Um... Madiba look really, really good. Um, yeah, man, they kind of <laughs> came out. Press was working, Phil was hitting shots, and I was like, oh, here we go, here we go. Um, Illinion had one period where they did all right, second quarter, they were 2013, and they lost the other 30 minutes of the basketball game. Yeah. Um, the end of the game was mental. The refs in an end game situation give, I think, three unsportsmanlike. Sorry, but they give it unsportsmanlike to the to Madiba who are up as well, which is mental. But um, the more this happens, the more of a fan I am of the rule I made up last week that there should be no unsportsmanlikes inside the last two minutes of the game. I think I think you're wrong, but I can't I think, see a possible downside to that. <laughs> I think the bar might need to be raised ever so slightly. Yeah. But um no, that's 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 just a random my brain skipped to the very, very end of the game. Yeah. But Phil was unbelievable. Lewis had a really good game. Um Mediba being able to press and put that much defensive pressure on and run and gun like they do with four bigs and a one on the floor is a credit to all of them and also specifically Charlie Moore yeah. for getting it done because it's hard work. Um other side of the ball, Greg didn't play enough. Yeah. Um Amadou was probably Alunion's most consistent player, which is which is a tough look for everyone else. No offense, Amadou. That's on that sounds disrespectful. I mean like He's normally like that. Oh, if he can get going as well as other people, but yeah, yeah I I was actually I was pretty surprised by this because Amadou his get his offense is usually predicated on hey we'll put you in a pick and roll with either Greg or Terry they might triple onto you but by the time they do you'll have a one pointer sat inside the charge circle and just shoot over him so. Yeah. I was surprised he got the shots up that he did against this Madiba team because he's obviously a huge guy, but he's nowhere near as agile or as mobile as most of their sizes. No, he's, thought, he's quick. He's like straight line quick, but you're right. He doesn't have the sort of agility like end to end. He's probably up there, but yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, I thought he played, he played pretty well. It just wasn't enough. And I don't know about you, but I think Madiba have been good all year and I've probably been slow to appreciate them after they beat my beloved Burgos in week one. <laughs> um, I think this was... You don't describe Madiba as clinical typically because I don't think that... I think that label gets given more to half-court 
Grand Canaria-esque teams than it does teams who want to run and gun because you kind of assume they're thriving. A little bit rough around the edges, yeah, maybe, but like, no, they're really not at this point of the season. Yeah, they, I thought they were really clinical in actually getting out in transition and forcing those opportunities. Um, more so at any point, I think, end of the second quarter it was where, or third quarter possibly, where they inbounded to fill off an Illunion make with a handful of seconds left. And it was just a downcourt javelin and a layup to close the quarter out. And it's like, that's the kind of sharpness that you don't always think transition-based teams will have. Um, no. And I actually thought their ball movement and their hunting of Illunion's weak link was better this this was the best half-court execution I've seen from them all year based on that, where they were kind of going, because a lot of the time it's Phil runs a pick and roll or threatens the two-man game on one wing. Defense kind of rotates and they kick it to John who ducks in behind a little tight screen and shoots a bang shot, which is like a good offense, but I think isn't the highest ceiling offense in the world. Um, it's kind of, it's here, here's what you're going to get off these two things, but no, they're, when it's like when they're running as well as they do and when Phil's hitting threes, it's 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 a real yeah. tough. It's a real and tough gig for the other team. And they ran a couple of their half-court offenses where it was like skip, skip, and then the one point that was defending like Lewis in the middle and it was an extra pass to a cut for a layup, which yeah. I don't think they've really had that dimension all year. It tends to be if they don't get a layup off the initial pick and roll, they settle for an outside shot, but they were able to find the gaps really consistently. I thought they played really well this week is generally the upshot of it. Um, And also I think there's a weird thing of like, for some reason, well, they've kind of done it for years, but El Union got pressed and they went to four bigs and a one instinctively, which is like, it's not a bad press break, put the ball in Terry Bywater's hands and you have three bigs and a good, one crossing and picking and crossing and picking but then the downside of that is one pointer on the floor like yeah. but I don't know I thought that was interesting like as I said I don't think Greg played enough I don't know yeah that was purely just a coaching decision or whatever but I understand that there's a lot of like a lot of if you put size and chair skills on someone with one arm yeah that can have an effect obviously but like He's never he's never that fussed about high pressure stuff, no, like high I, pressure defense. I think they you saw Greg get off a couple of times when they were able to Illunion were able to configure the offense so that the one point would be it Charlotte or Tinin was the person to jump Greg and it's an easier dribble off. But yeah. I think he struggled a handful of times when it's, for example, like John and Lewis on one side and one of those has to jump Greg he then has to dribble off into the other one and try and get a pass out, you know, and be it into Amadou or whoever else. And yeah, yeah, the, I think that is kind of the one thing. If you can stack both sides with size up, that's about the one scenario that gives Greg any issues. And outside of that, Terry and Bill both got double digit scoring, but were a combined 12 from 33. Yeah. I think that's the thing with, like maybe they thought, okay, four bigs in a one, let's match up. But I yeah. don't know, man. I I would have I wouldn't have been dying to match up if it meant taking one of my shooters off the floor against, especially because that four big and a one looks like it matches up, but it's a pretty slow four big and a one versus a very quick four big and a one. So maybe just stick to what you if you can't match them effectively, just stick to what you're good at and hope yeah. that wins it for you. Yeah. Also, this immediately kind of popped out to me. Belt contender Phil with yeah twenty six and twelve, but on eight from twelve from uh, eight from twelve shooting four from seven four from five from three. I think there were points where it's like, oh, this game could go either way, and Phil hit a couple of threes, and it was like, oh, okay, no, it's kind of it was that kind of wrestled control. In yeah, I think Diva's favor. I think this was his. This was Phil's best game all year. I would say I, he's had like a couple of higher scoring games against weaker teams, but I think I always watch him, and he is unselfish to a fault a lot of the time. Where it's like, hey, you, 
I think Phil a lot of the time doesn't feel ruthless when you watch him because it's not not like when Goebel acts handling the ball and it's like, hey, this guy wants to bury you by shooting the ball every time he touches it. I think Phil's like pass happy enough that it sometimes feels like he's not just dying to bury teams on his own. Oh, maybe. I think this was the best balance I've seen from him all year in terms of when shots were available, he was like, hey, I'm just going to take this and you're going to have to do something about it. Yeah, such a good passer that it's like when the shot's going and business is booming from the three-point line, you might be in some trouble. And um, the union were. <laughs> yeah, and this was, just to run it down real quick, Phil with 20, John Hernandez with 19, Lewis with 19, Salvador uh, Sandoval with 17. So that was all of Madiba's scoring coming from the four guys that they... You know, no, none of the four guys they rely on had a down game by any stretch. And Ilunian got probably one above average game and three below average games from their typical four guys. Sure. Depending on how you want to slot Pablo in. But yeah, the, that was kind of the difference. Four guys showed up for Ilunian and less so. Sorry, four guys showed up for Madiba and less so for Ilunian. Cool. Okay. All right. Last one. And I just hit to close the previous tab and I closed that tab as well because I'm a professional at this. Mercia 77, Zuzanak 71. You bought me some time there. Thank you. No problem. I did buy you some time and I will keep buying you some time by reading out some stats. <laughs> Go on then. Um, well, no, I will start by saying, hey, um, I messaged Mark and I was like, hey, I've watched most of the games. This is the last one to do. Is it worth doing? And you were like, yeah, like it's 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 kind of fun. You thought it was going to be some weird scoreboard stuff because Mercia were involved and it was in the seventies, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they they both just kind of shot the ball quite well. Yeah, <laughs> I think the first thing we should point out is this looks like it's just a game between two lower end teams. But I think actually both of these teams have got better as the season's gone on. Like. Zuznak obviously had that upset of Vigo and then they won last weekend. Mercia have looked like they were getting it together. They've taken care of the games they should take care of. And I think the fact that there's a close game between these two this late in the season maybe doesn't give either team enough credit because it looks like, you know, two bad teams go against each other. Somebody has to win kind of thing where I don't think that was necessarily the case here. Sure. Yeah. It's not like, hey, we can't. You can't draw a basketball game. Like, yeah. I don't think that was it. Um, yeah, it was cool, man. Like, I, I had a, like, there was a couple of different periods where um, Beatrice Sudaire would kind of run a pick and roll one side, take a dribble off and just pull it. And I was like, hey, she's going to just do this for 40 minutes. But she's been watching the Rose Holloman tape. What do you mean dribble it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, sorry, Rose. But, um, yeah, it was cool, man. Like, also, they didn't start Lalo, which was... Yeah, I, see, I crazy. think they've been listening to us because I've been saying for like a few weeks now, I've been like, hey, Philip Halfley is your second or third best player. You may as well start him. And they were like, hey, you're right. And then they started him over probably their single best player. It's like, yeah, I wonder if they got that first bit wrong. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I think they should try and really find a way to get those three guys on court at once. Yeah, they definitely can. But I think uh, Beatrice Dudare and a couple of other starters are people who've been there for a long time. So I think they're trying to balance keeping their existing players happy rather. I get that Philip Halfley showed up late. Um, and they probably don't want to be like, hey, everybody clear out so we can like that this starting him versus not starting him wasn't the difference in them making the playoffs or not, for example. Although, sure. um, yeah, so I think this was just kind of, we've talked about Zuzanak a couple of times recently and how they've got, they're pretty stacked up on points, but they don't leverage that into playing any real size. They've got no. like some mid-height, more versatile guys, but Lalo is the dimensions of a buffalo when he's coming at you and he took him apart. Philip Halfley is pretty big and pretty skilled guy and was able to just leverage his advantages. And on top of that, you would think they had enough 
guys to match up with the kind of speed and mobility of Joaquin Robles, but he got off pretty comfortably as well. Um, so yeah, when you're letting, when it's a battle between two relatively close teams in terms of like talent and ability and you let their top three guys get off on you, plus double digit scoring from two others, you're putting yourself in a pretty tough position there. Yeah, like I wonder how many games of this sort of level Zuzanak would think they could get to 71 and be fine. Yeah. Like, as I say, you got like 13 Ruben Viso, 20 from Leap, 22 from Garcia. Like, you'd think that would do you. Yeah, I I would imagine if you'd have told them ahead of time, be like, hey, you guys are going to play Mercy this weekend and you're going to score 71, they'd probably be like, hey, that sounds pretty good. We'll take that. Cool, yeah. Um, Yeah, they... It was just it was the size thing for Mercia was it was the fact that there was nobody to match up with Lalo and Halfley, even when because they, they like you say they brought Lalo off the bench and they were struggling with Halfley's size even on his own. So when they eventually switched the two big lineups, it was just like, hey, you couldn't guard one of these guys on their own. You're probably gonna yeah. like Halfley. I think that's where you get the like Zuzaire making those like little baseline shots where the like jumper pick will come from one of the big guys that they can't handle. She'll take one dribble off to the baseline, but the guy who's defending the big on the baseline will not switch down because he's worried about the role. So it's just like ball to the wing, jump, pick, one dribble off. Oh, I'm wide open now because you yeah. don't want to you don't want to like leave the big who set the pick because you're terrified of them. Like, I think it's the sort of like get inside, punish them. And then that kind of opens up the outside, which in turn kind of opens back up the inside stuff. And then you just get whatever you want for 40 minutes. Apparently (laughs) you just, you end up with 77. We should really let people know it's that simple. We might be onto something here. It's Um, as I say, not as I can't do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, well, in, in Mercia's defense, when you say you can't do, they were actually shooting a regular size and shaped and weighted ball, so maybe it was easier for them than it was for you this past weekend. Also, Lalo in 16 minutes got above his season averages in season average in points, which he normally does in 32 minutes and yeah. 45 seconds, which is very cool. That's like a real NBA thing where they're like, hey, if we can just keep these guys to their averages, we might have a chance. I wonder if you told any NBA coach, hey, this guy's going to beat his average in half his time. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, we'll hand the win over now and save ourselves the trouble. Yeah. But yeah, this was, I mean, this was, like we say, two lower end teams, but it was a pretty competitive game. So if you haven't seen this one already and we haven't spoiled it too heavily at this point, go check it out because I think. Mercia especially can make the argument that they are building something. I don't know if the same can be said of Zuzanak, but they're certainly playing the last portion of the season out with a level of competitiveness that should at least be applauded to some extent rather than them just sloughing the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. Like, I think a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't sure they were going to stay up, and now they might do. Yeah, so shout out to them. I don't know. Um, okay, uh, one more thing about Mercia. I yeah. have our very first ever re-correction section. Oh, go on. Uh, I have been informed that what we said originally about Mercia making Copa del Rey and then corrected is actually true. <laughs> so we had, it was Ari who told you the uh, the original correction, right? So we get to correct him. No, so it was the same person that told me that Ari was one assist short changed uh what was it tarry white um yes so they told me that what ari told me originally was incorrect um and also that he should have had one more assist and therefore a triple double so apparently we were right in the first place apparently when a a team social media post about making a tournament they're probably not wrong (laughs) well i I did say that at the time i was like hey come on we i was like I'm not admitting to being wrong for this. I read the information that was given to me by the source and the source was the people in question. Yeah, so, I was happy to admit that I was wrong, but I was not going to take any blame for well, it. I yeah, think that's, that's different. That's fair. Um, All right. Belt. Shout Phil? out to Mercia. Yeah, belt to Phil, I think. 
It's, I believe so. I feel like we've got this far into the season. Madiba have got the second best record and they've not had a winner of it yet. So I think Madiba tied for the best record, aren't they? But yes. Second in the standings. So yeah, shout best out. performance in most important game, probably. So yeah. yeah. Um only other thing to mention, it's obviously going to be both Euroleague one and two this coming up weekend. We are going to be dropping a Euroleague two preview. If you haven't listened to our Euroleague one preview with Jan Haller, go and check that out. Uh, that's on our coffee page right now, and you can get onto the video, which is on YouTube. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing the same for Euroleague 2. That's going to be out this Thursday, and then I think the tournament kicks off on Friday. So get studied up, especially for Euroleague 2, because nobody we've asked to come and speak to us has heard of any of the teams they're going to be playing against. So Yeah, we're going to start with asking our, our guest to pronounce the names <laughs> of all the teams as a test. Um, yeah, all we'll say is our guest is somebody who we might be roping in to an extra segment that's an arm wrestling match and we'll leave it at that. So peace out, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Have a nice week. Bye.